Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Weekly Podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including markets, economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the podcast and welcome back from our Thanksgiving break. We hope you all had the chance to spend quality time with family and friends. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Looking at this week's economic news, the calendar was fairly heavy, so we'll give you the headline news and, as always, dig deeper during our conversation. The second estimate for third quarter GDP was released and revised up slightly to 2.9% annualized growth, showing underlying signs of continued consumer spending in spite of inflation. Inflation for October, as measured by the Personal Consumption's Expenditures Index, came in lower than the prior month for both overall inflation and for core inflation, which excludes food and energy, showing some beginning signs of relief, although it remains elevated. In the middle of the week on Wednesday, Jay Powell shared comments on the economy and Fed policy at the Brookings Institute conference. It was not an official Fed meeting, but was reminiscent of the Jackson Hole speech in August in terms of importance. However, this time, the market reacted favorably. Job openings for October dipped slightly but remained high at 10.3 million, and the employment data released this morning showed the unemployment rate remained at 3.7% from last month, and new non-farm payrolls increased by 263,000 for November, in line with the past few months, again showing a resilient job market as of now. So as we turn to you, George, first, what's your reaction to some of this data and the Fed speak and other items on your mind in terms of where we're headed from the economy and the markets? Yeah, Brian, it was a pretty busy week, as you said. Um, you know, I think in terms of the, the most recent data first, I guess the jobs report is, uh, is again showing that there's just a lot of strength in the labor market. We could look at a lot of cross currents and probably parse out some interesting trends, but Overall, it seems to be that uh, the job market is, is still quite healthy. Um, you know, leisure, hospitality, healthcare, you know, those sectors uh, saw the biggest jumps uh, in, uh, in gains in terms of jobs added. Interestingly, the retail segment was a little weak, um, which is kind of atypical given this time of the year. Um, so maybe that's the Amazon effect or something else going on. I, I think also warehousing was also a little bit weak. But the thing I think the market's kind of really paying most attention to this morning is the fact that earnings uh, were up some 5% year over year. I guess the good news is that they haven't really uh, gotten too much higher, but you know that's still probably too hot for the Fed to really go on hold for a while. Um, you know, the unemployment numbers, um, and I guess have become kind of the new CPI, the new inflation report, if you will. So, you know, I guess you, if you had to juxtapose that against what happened with the Federal Reserve this week, of course, you know, this has been kind of another November to remember, it seems like, where every... Uh, Every November, we get some kind of update from, from Jay Powell with respect to his thinking on the economy and really his, his thoughts on where interest rates are going. You know, if you look back a couple of years or so ago, Brian, I think in 2018, he talked about the need to keep going. 
And the market kind of revolted around that time of the year uh, in 2018, because I think they were hoping that he would actually start to kind of pause at that point. He did eventually acquiesce sometime in, in 2019, but you know, that was a pretty momentous November. Fast forward to 2021, uh, we were kind of still in that moment where I think coming out of the pandemic, he was of the view that uh, inflation would be transitory, but then reversed that position in November of 2021. And just this week, it seemed like, again, he was maybe starting to think about maybe reversing his opinion again. Uh, and it was really pretty unambiguous with respect to the fact that they, they the Fed, is thinking about maybe stepping down in terms of um, maybe cooling off a little bit of their, their rate, height, uh, rate tightening cycle. But uh, it, was, it was definitely a, a, definitely a risk on move for the markets overall. But I guess, Rajiv, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. It just seems to me that um, there's probably more, um, I guess, a volatility around the Fed's thinking um, that's kind of creating a lot of volatility in the markets. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? Uh, it's a very fair assessment, George. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, the market's really holding on to whatever Fed Chair Powell says, really trying to get some sense and some cues from him. Uh, and as, as you mentioned today, uh, that uh, he had that speech on Wednesday, and he remarked that the Fed may dial down the pace of its increase. We could see that at this month's FOMC meeting. So basically, that means we would go from the 75 base point rate hike that we've been accustomed to in the last four times and maybe move down to a 50 base point rate hike this month. And the market loved that comment. But what's interesting is the market already was anticipating 50 basis points for December. But what the market really loved was hearing it from Fed Chair Powell that we're going to, you know, maybe dial down the pace uh, of rate hikes. The point that was overlooked, however, in the speech, and one that I want to mention here is he also made another statement, and the market kind of just ignored it, where he said the timing of the moderation in rate hikes is less significant than how much further the Fed needs to go to control inflation, and also the length of time that they would have to stay at that restrictive level. So if you look at that overlooked comment, it seems that maybe the market jumped the gun a little bit on Wednesday. And I think that uh, with that rally that we saw in the Treasury market, they were really looking for maybe the market projecting a terminal uh, rate around 4.9%. And the Fed is not is kind of telegraphing something a little higher than that and a little more restrictive. So Powell reiterated the fact at the end of his speech also that the Fed needs to stay the course until the job is done. And then you see this jobs number comes out today. And again, it makes you feel that the Fed is looking at the macroeconomic conditions in the market and also looking at something to give them some kind of declining inflation scenario. Uh, this number today doesn't give that. Uh, the consensus projection was 200,000. We got 263,000. That's a blockbuster non-farm payroll number. And again, it leads, now the market's kind of retract a little bit of what we saw on Wednesday. The Fed is going to view this report as one that means that there's more work to be done. It's, consist it's not consistent with uh, declining inflation. Uh, the immediate market reaction, as I mentioned, was, was giving up some of that rally that we saw on Wednesday. And the market still anticipates a 50 base point rate hike in December. Uh, for the FOMC meeting, but the terminal rate after this non-farm payroll number came out moved up about 18 basis points. So we're looking at a terminal rate in June 2023, just shy of 5%. So Steve, I want to begin this conversation too. I mean, from the markets, for the stock market's perspective, you know, I was kind of surprised to see that the market is almost back to where it was in May. And I kind of mentioned May in, in recognizing that was just before the Fed started raising rates. I mean, Interest rates back in May were, you know, around zero. Um, now they're at four percent, roughly, on, on short-term rates. Um, and yeah, the market's kind of done a round trip almost. So, is that good news? Is the market kind of thinking that maybe the Fed is done, or are we, you know, kind of just setting ourselves up for some false hope? How do you kind of square that circle? The mark, the market's been trying to think the Fed is done every time the Fed has 
had some kind of speaking event since August, right? So it seems to me the market's really, um, it's, it's trying to take a, a, a very sanguine view of this because the market views the move from the end of the tightening cycle to being one of easing almost immediately. And I think that the key thing to me in what the chair Powell has been saying lately is they're trying to get the message across to folks that once rates get to the terminal rate, they're not going to turn around on a dime and go the other direction. Um, and it, it, it's, it seems that they're, they're uh, you know, and, and as Rajiv said, you know, with the average hourly earnings numbers coming in where they did again today, um, the, 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 the issue for the Fed is that they've got to get the wage situation under control. Uh, and that's why everybody, the, the, as you alluded, George, the employment reports, the new CPI report, the most important number we see monthly now is this average hourly earnings number. Um, and that's going to determine when the cycle of tightening is over in terms of, you know, have they done enough and are they going to be able to, to pause completely? And I, there was literally nothing in that number that, that would give them the ability even quite frankly, you know, I don't think that the market thinks 75 is on the table again in December, but you know, you really got to think hard if they should, should be doing that, frankly, um, given where, where the, the, uh, the numbers are coming in at. Um, so yeah, I think that the market has gotten ahead of itself as it has time and time again. Um, we're in a seasonal positive period of the year. It, it, it's the, it's the, the most positive seasonal period of the year, quite honestly, the period from mid-November through the year end. Um, so you've got this tailwind uh, happening at the same time that the, that, that, that the Fed is at least trying to, to, to have this kind of a discussion where the market wants to view things positively. So, you know, I, th I think it'll work. I think this continues to work. Uh, let's, let's the market possibly move higher through year end, but you know, I think that we think that 2023 really sets up as a very difficult, uh, a very difficult environment for investors, given the fact that we're going to be transitioning into a year where where earnings are actually going to seem to matter, uh, at where this year they didn't, and earnings are are likely to have some trouble in 2023. Yeah, and matter of fact, we're just putting the finishing touches on our outlook for uh, for next year, as you mentioned, Steve, and uh, I think the title that we're going with is the fact that. Um, is a, is a pound of medicine worth an ounce of cure, meaning that the Fed has put a, forth a, a pound and a half probably of medicine to try and take inflation down. And it's had some success in doing that in parts of the economy and housing is definitely under pressure. Other more cyclical parts of the market are, and the economy are also under some pressure. But in terms of actually having some damage, I guess, if you will, or maybe kind of slowing the inflationary pressures down as it relates to wages, has it happened yet? Right. So I guess a question I'd kind of toss it back to you, Rashid, for a second is, is one that somebody posed me this week. I think it's a great question, you know, and I was talking to a couple of people, a couple of business owners. Um, they were remarking, remarking on the fact that, frankly, they just really don't want to um, kind of let go of workers. I mean, they, they might see some softening demand, but they're afraid to kind of you know, put forth some kind of more aggressive measures to try and take payrolls down because it's been so hard to fill positions in the past. So the question that people posed to me, which was, I think, a good one, can we have a recession? without any damage to the labor market, you know? And I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I'm, not so quite, I'm not quite so sure, because I think eventually the labor market will eventually soften, but Rajiv, would you, be, um, would you be bold enough to try and answer that question? 
I mean, it's a really, really good question. And I think when, when these type of questions come up, it tells you that we are in a different situation now than we've seen before in other recessions. And so I would say that, you know, it's very hard to imagine a strong labor market and a Fed looking specifically at uh, labor numbers and viewing that as we can keep going and not breaking something. And I think that uh, you end up in a situation where you need jobs to slow down for, for that type of recessionary scenario to exist. I don't see how else we get there. Even if you look at what Steve was saying as far as earnings, uh, we haven't really talked about anything about, uh, you know, what these companies, I mean, we talk about these layoffs at some of the tech companies, but it's still not in the magnitude that you would imagine that would lead to some kind of recessionary scenario. So I would have to uh, err on the side that we need to see a breakdown in the jobs number uh, in order to get that recessionary scenario. I can't understand how we would not get there uh, without that. Yeah, the, the, the tech sector is kind of interesting. I mean, I think it dominates a big part of the market. And, you know, some of these companies that, that are probably in most people's portfolios are reason why the tech market, the tech sector gets so much attention. But I think I've also seen the overall magnitude in terms of the technology sector for the economy is not quite as pronounced. So, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm whistling past the graveyard there, but I think it's notable that uh, there's kind of a difference between the economy and, and the market at times. But um, the other thing I think we have to probably think about probably over the course of the weekend, Steve, is this, this meeting around OPEC, right? Energy policy continues to be a, a primary source of conversation. What do you think is going to come out of anything uh, from this, this conversation this weekend? And what should we think about going forward with respect to energy? Well, I continue to think that uh, en energy is going to remain a story. And every time OPEC has a meeting, it's going to be front and center. I mean, the, at the end of the day, um, for a whole host of reasons, uh, OPEC has become relevant again. And uh, we, we've kind of passed the baton back to them as the, the world's swing producer. And, and these meetings are important. So you know, what's going to happen? I, I think that you're likely going to see them uh, uh, talk about yet another production cut, uh, probably uh, a half a million barrels a day again. Um, I, I think that this will be a supportive of oil prices. Um, it won't be helpful for, for the US or European economies, uh, but uh, I think that they want to see oil prices stay firm here and they do not want to see them go much lower than, than where we currently are at in that $80 area. So uh, I think they're going to take action that will that'll be supportive of, of, of price, George. And I, and I think that there'll be some commentary uh, out of the, uh, in the communique that will um, we'll say just that. So lots to pay attention to, another inflation impulse potentially. Um, meanwhile, the, the market, I think, is kind of digesting a lot of uh, cross currents. I think the, the story of volatility is going to be with us for a while. And, uh, and so again, we'll have to stay attentive to many of the things and we'll make sure everybody stays, stays abreast of related thinking. So with that, I wish everybody a good weekend and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for the insightful conversation today, George, Steve, and Rajiv. We appreciate your thoughts and thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. 
Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.